This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Ruslan, today we have the returns of. He is an actor, he is a writer, and a filmmaker. He is Naam Murad. Hi, Cam. Hi, everybody. Good to be back. Uh, great to have you. And he is uh, Vernon Adrian Amon. What, what, I, I keep f- failing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no, you have so many think. things. What are you? He is uh, who I'm he a busybody. <laughs> Uh, yes, I am. He's a consultant. <clears throat> he's a consultant and he's a teacher. Uh, and he's uh, an impresario. A busybody. Yeah, okay. So topic number one is, is it's about marketing, really. It's finding a space for your cultural product in an unusual way. Uh, it's not a very catchy title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay. We'll roll with it. All right. Topic number two is what kind of AI would you like to have? And finally, topic number three is a psychological safe space. Mm-hmm. So with topic number one, um, I want to—I uh, love the Beatles. I think people should should know that. Who doesn't? Right, people should know that by now. But I also love the Rolling Stones. And the Rolling Stones were very clever in their early years because the Beatles were the biggest thing in the whole world. And then the Rolling Stones came along and their first manager said, what you need to do is be the anti-Beatles. Because most managers were going around saying, we need to create you as the Beatles. Because the Beatles make money, therefore you be the Beatles and we'll make money. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Oldham said, no, we'll be the opposite. There was not a space. There was no, um, there was nothing in the landscape to suggest that the anti-Beatles. Insecticide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the anti-Beatles could succeed. Uh, but if you look at, say, Spotify now, the most popular Beatles song is the ever- optimistic, here comes the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, the most popular Rolling Stones song is Paint It Black, which is just it, where he, Mick Jagger just says, I want to paint everything black. Everything is... is A rebel. Yeah. And th- the numbers for the listenership is considerably less than the Beatles, but nonetheless, it's, a, it's, it's an audience. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if... Not just I wonder, I know that... In order to succeed creatively in the cultural space, but in anything, you don't have to do, you don't have to try and do, repeat the popular thing. You can do the opposite of that. Out of the box. Out of the, out of also, you know. Or do a variation of what works. Well, sm- smash the box. Smash uh, what? Okay. Um, I mean, don't you think? I mean, paint it black. For God's sakes. Yeah, so they so they decided we'll go the opposite way. Out of the box, it's being defiant, being rebellious. And sometimes you discover new things by actually accommodating the other point of view. Because mm. really, I, I, the way I actually really wanted to frame this topic before is about manufacturing popularity. Mm-hmm. Can you manufacture popularity? So if you look at the case of South Korea, uh, incredibly, remarkably, because um, we're all of the age where... When we were growing up, South Korea just didn't exist. Um, at, certainly as a cultural force. They didn't even force. make cars yet. I, I don't think they were. Yeah. yeah, not even making cars. What were they known for? A shipbuilding? That's uh, it. Martial arts. Kimchi. Do you work Asian cliches? Korean food, martial arts. Factory workers. Now, around the world, Asian faces, male and female, can sell music. Yeah. It's just incredible. Isn't it? If you're very pretty, you can dance really well. But it's completely manufactured. It's completely, yeah. Yes. Well, it wasn't pretty at one time. So actually, the uh, the uh, representation that exists 
has made you and me more desirable. Yeah, let's not get let's not let's not, <laughs> let's not get carried away. There are a lot of old Korean men like <laughs> starting super pop bands. Uh, 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 okay. uh, again, let's not get carried away. But seriously, do, do you do you think then that it is possible to manufacture um, success and popularity to 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 just take it as elements? I I need to find as an impresario, Bernard. Mm-hmm. I need to find some character that expresses this kind of trait, that trait, that kind of face, and I can just create something that'll be popular. I think it's always been like that. Yeah, well, in one way or the other. If you're asking me, Hmm. an advertising ex, uh, you know, Hmm. advertising man, and involved in marketing lots of things in terms of like cultural products, yeah, um, it's about finding that thing that delivers a story that um, makes it more desirable. Um, and for instance, if you package, let's say, uh, something undesirable in a manner that makes it desirable, it's going to sell. I mean, like you can look at various things that actually, like the clackers that kids play with these days. I mean, like two balls on a string, mm-hmm. you know. And They've done that before, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Repackaging something and adding something to it. Yeah. That, that was popular in the 1970s. What days are you talking about? The people are doing it now? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. It's become a big thing. Creating I, a lot of health that, problems. No. Yeah. Oh, actually, I've seen it on on YouTube. Yeah. And um, that even even uh, internet m- uh, memes and emojis using the clacker as a as an you know as, as a call clackers. Yeah. Yeah, but hang on. Do you think that people actually knew beforehand that that this will be hugely successful, or they say, well, we, we can just double our money and then we'll be happy? Well, something happened along the way, along the cultural journey in the global cultural journey. And it was seen as, oh, that's a fun thing to have, so boom. So it is not up to you. You can't manufacture it. Well, obviously, the person who might have inserted it into that cultural points, high points, uh, might have had that agenda on his mind. So what I want to say is that, you know, you can sell anything if you package it right and it resonates with as many people as possible. Emotionally. Emotionally, emotionally. Logistically, because of course, you know, if they can't get the product, then, then you know. So it's all about making it accessible, making it um, understandable. And also, timing, it, right? I mean, sometimes that thing is yeah. it hasn't been around for a while. I mean, like the Beatles, when you think about it, music had reached maybe, maybe rock and roll was a bit stale and it needed just a little bit of that kick in the bum. You know, the entire 50s and 60s things mm, were not changing yeah. all too much. Yeah, and yeah. They didn't really change it all that much when you think about it, but it was just something fresh and new about it. Mm. Well, um, what it was was that it was the antithesis of the Beatles. So there was obviously a bunch of people out there mm. who didn't like the Beatles. And the moment there was... It didn't take so long after the Beatles that people yeah. were thinking of doing the antithesis. The antithesis. Well, it's the rebel. It, it's the rebel among us who will do these kinds of things, who will, who will notice something and go like, hey... I can do something else. So, well, I remember. I remember watching. There was an interview with some girls outside a really early um, Rolling Stones concert. It was like 1964, and and so the interviewer was saying, "What do you like about them?" And and she said, "They're so ugly. I love them." Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> See, yeah. ugliness. But that, that makes no sense. So now you and I, we still have a mother. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, Vernon, just now you were saying you were, you were you know, the beautiful face of you know, <laughs> like a K-pop star. Um, clearly I, I think it's really important. In the dark, though. you know, I could, yeah. Right now, I, right now, in my own personal life, uh, even though, you know, I'm semi-retired, but, but you know, working in the Malaysian creative industry, I wish there could be a, a lot more of that. 
a lot more of this going, let's do the antithesis, let's, let's do something unexpected. Because for our films and television, and all that, for a lot of things that we do creatively in Malaysia, not everybody, but quite a lot, it's like always just aping yes, what's correct. popular from Korea yeah. and stuff like that. So where is the brave financier producer who goes like, I like Korea, I like this, um, this what is the antithesis of Blackpink or or what's that one, BTS? So how do you make it different? Well, the, you're talking music, but I think in terms of film, ima- oh, even imagine, even imagine, oh, imagine oh, I think that... Went, went against the grain. Went against the grain. Yep. And was a huge success. I think mm-hmm. that, that is an example of... They um, kind, yes, it is. Yeah, they, they kind of took uh, uh, something which was already... Uh, distant, a bit distant, and and gave it a twist rather than something new that's super hot, and then just aped it. You know what I mean? If you were gonna take like somebody, I, I won't say who and what, like did a um, Squid Games kind of thing, kind of changed it, but did not really change it. I, I think I think um, uh, mashing things together does not necessarily work because you don't really know. If you put nasi lemak with a trifle, it's not gonna work. But if you take nasi lemak and trifle and make something else out of it, something completely unique rather than just those two things fighting each other, then you might succeed. It still sounds stomach-turning. Well, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think... Uh, I don't think breakthroughs can can be... Pre- well, breakthroughs well, happen... It, it, is yeah, unpredictable. Yeah. it is unpredictable. It is unpredictable. You're talking about mashups. I mean, like, huh, the biggest mashup in recent times is, you know what... It's everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, which we will come to later. Yeah, Yeah. we will come to that later in part three, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. (laughs) But but for now, we're going to change to uh, topic number two, which is AI. um, The hot young people thing. Yeah, they're everywhere. They. I mean, um, have you even heard? Anwar Ibrahim. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Maybe he is an AI. I even heard recently that you can even have a self-help kind of AI where you can ask advice personal advice from this AI will you, you can uh, this AI can be any famous person you want you can even ask um, um, life lessons from Gandhi for example and what, what, what an AI will have what you is, can actually say can you tell yeah, me what Gandhi Mr. would Gandhi, say yeah, or, or you're actually pretending to talk to Gandhi and you say I have a problem with standing up to my um, wife w- w- yeah whatever you know like, like, like <laughs> the workers at my office what would you do Mr. Gandhi well, well you know you have to and, and they take stuff from Gandhi's life or things that he have said. That's it. It's not, you're not really talking to actual Gandhi. So, so it's really interesting, but I'm more interested in the creative AIs because, um, uh, you know, like, for example, the, the AIs that do writing has become one of the issues why the Hollywood writers are now on strike because that's been one of the threats, except for many other, other things which are happening to them, which is unfair, payments, royalties, um, the diminishing of um, the, the amount of, Work time and work, you know, like um, it's like a, like like a really factory kind of thing happening for them. Like you're not working out, Vernon. We'll pay you just a little bit, and we'll put the next person in, next person in. So nobody gets any kind of ownership of of um, of a right. piece of the work. Fresh that and succeed, burn capitalism su- succeeds, right? So if something does succeed, it's like well, we can't give you all royalty, so none of you really deserve because there have been thirty of you going to. When you aside from that, there's um the the threat is that Chat GPT and other Creative AIs should take over from writers. But they are here to stay. There's this all kinds of interesting AIs. Some of them are actually, I would imagine, be beneficial to you as a creative person. I'm just wondering if you guys can foresee in the future, if it hasn't, if that isn't available yet, 
what kind of creative AI would you like to use? For, for me, for example, right? I've always liked to write science fiction or have science fiction elements in my stories. But I find that when I do research in science, I will find things which I'm interested in, elements that I put in, but I do it wrong-headedly because I am not a proper scientist. So I may use an interesting science element, but completely in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So what would be nice if, you, if there was this AI that if I said I wanted to do a story about quantum entanglement, I want, I want to set it here, this is, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, this uh, AI will not tell me who the characters are, they will not um, create a plot for me, but they will tell me how to use that science to make it interesting. Can I just yeah. burst your bubble? Yeah, burst it. it. Yeah. yeah, it already exists. <laughs> I'm sure it no, does. No. Even AI needs to be fact-checked, okay? True, and true. I'll tell you this. Of course, me being the uh, egomaniac that I am, I put into chat GPT, um, do you know who Vernon Adrian Among is? Mm -hmm. And it said, that person uh, is not known to me, blah, blah, blah. So then I asked again. And then it started to actually, I, get, I guess it had more time to um, trawl for more information. And it started to give me information about myself, which was completely not true. Mm. Completely not true. Mm. So therefore, AI has its flaws and we must be aware of that. Yeah. I, I've heard of AI giving very, very rude opinions because, because I suppose if you give it enough time, you ask it enough questions from certain angles, the only data it has is negative feedback that you have out there in the interwebs. So you may be unlucky enough to get, like say, for example, there, there was somebody who was talking about collecting something mm -hmm. and was asking about that. And like you said, didn't have enough time. So the groove that the AI went in was this negative feedback that he had on the net about collecting this is a very stupid thing to oh, do. Oh, it blah. got annoyed. And it became, it, got, yeah. it became inadvertently <laughs> rude. It got annoyed. Yeah. I, think, I think also it, it, it's probably just in, in the way that you read it. You know, like when you get messages from people yeah, and you think, oh my God, how rude. But they're actually just being very nice. But, but I, yeah. I, I would want... Well, what we, yeah. what well we, I would we, ask a question. So as I understand it then, AI can only mine information f from information that has been digitized. Yes. So... But all the writing apps and, all, you know, um, like for example, uh, you know, books on how to write scripts or everything that's out there is in their database. They will mind that to help you. Okay, but, but, but for, for all the, the good science, as Vernon has pointed out, for all the good science that's in there, there's also crackpot tin foil mm -hmm. science yep. that, that is, that as far as the AI is concerned, is science. Mm -hmm. it, it cannot distinguish. Mm -hmm. yep. And so inside of all that, the earth is flat. It is, but you wouldn't ask that. I mean, you no, no. I'm, I'm still, yeah. not saying, but that is that is what AI is basing its information on. Yes, I mean, it, it would take it. Yes, yeah, cobbling together what it can find, whatever it can find, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and that's like the human mind. We cobble together, you know, uh, impressions of but, things, but, and then we. But, have but, a AI, I think you said it, Vernon. The more specific you are. Mm -hmm. the more focused your, your information stream would be. If you go for something theoretical, I want my characters to appear somewhere and disappear somewhere yeah. else, then it's got humongous. Yeah. But if you go, I want to talk about quantum entanglement, then there's, there's a specific amount yeah. of you, you, I guess, I guess but you would also have to say, uh, while disregarding the works of, and then a whole bunch of kind of, you know, moron people. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would imagine then that if... Okay, if you're looking for that kind of science and if you can make it very clear the parameters, 
If you're working in law, it could be very useful, I'm sure, in working out what the precedents but as, are. As, as Vernon said, you have to be very specific. Malaysian very, law. Now, yeah. I have this question. Could AI have created the Rolling Stones? Now, yeah. I mean, well, they, they could give you the, the... They would say the same thing. No. Anti, Anti-Beatles. It could, okay. But they could create it, but the idea would okay. be there. Maybe, maybe, maybe the idea, not the sound. Um, mm. Yeah. Not the sound. Aren't they like really the good look. music? music they, they are actually know? very yeah. good. Mm. Yeah, they but take the again, chords, the popular chords and the popular... So AI. Yeah. But again, it's basing it on what has been what done. What has been done, yeah. Um, yeah. And what we all would need to do is is to do the thing that hasn't been done. Absolutely right. Out of the box. I think the thing mm. is about using AI well is being creative enough that you know where to add, what to add. They, it, it just saves you time from trying yes. and listening and trying on your own a thousand different things. The AI will instantly give you some of those things, yeah. and then yeah, you yeah. can listen to yourself. You can listen to it, or you can read it, and you can mix and well, match I, things. I, it's just a time-saving. I, I, I think it has. And I was yeah. I was surprised that Vernon, Vernon and I were working actually together on on releasing a book of mine, and Vernon put into ChatGPT, you know, to to ask it what would be a good marketing plan. Mm-hmm. For yeah. it. And it came back and it was like, well, this is pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit shocking. <clears throat> and and I, would have sp- I would have spent like weeks mm. and I would have been putting it off and I would have done all sorts of things and I wouldn't have come up with anything as good as that. Figuring out what yeah. to do with well, it. Yeah, it was very <laughs> impressive given the fact that obviously there are lots of proposals out there on the internet which are trolled mm-hmm. and cobbled it together. But whether or not it's going to work Given the situation we're in yeah, now, sure, um, sure, it's a different thing. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm conditioned also in in the work that I do is I love going to archives, and none of this stuff has been digitized. Well, actually, some a little what li- stuff? What you're talking? Well, about? I mean, if you go to Archive Nagara mm-hmm. here in KL, or you go to the British uh, National still, Archive, you mean the, it's still microfiche or whatever? Or it is. PDFs. Well, microfiche is not going to be old newspapers. Yeah. yeah, old newspapers. Some of those have been digitized, mm-hmm. but. Um, like barely 1% of the stuff that's in the archive. So does ChatGPT actually read PDFs that are put up by museums? I mean, you have to make them read the PDF. You, oh, you need to yeah. put that in now. ChatGPT, do you read PDFs? Because if it does, then all your historical stuff... No, they haven't been, they're not in PDF form. I mean, they're literally pieces of paper. They have not yeah, been yeah, digitized yeah, in yeah. any shape mm-hmm. yet. And and by reading this stuff, you, you sort of realise... Oh, you know, the world is a very different place. Yeah, you do. You do. No, I get you. You you see that people's priorities were once upon a time like this and ours are now like that. And And it had to take your human mind to actually notice the dissonances and the nuances. Absolutely. But it would have taken ChatGPT with my human mind to actually like write that into a book (laughs) that could have been actually completed. Yeah, with your human mind. So you're still safe. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, we've we got to wrap up, but uh, are you convinced by your own argument then? Oh, you, you can use it. Yeah, I, I think I would, but it depends on what, what, uh, whether it serves a purpose for me. Hmm. It'll remove the drudgery of research. Yeah, of, of, of yeah. a kind of research which I think I will not enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like for example, Cam, you said you enjoyed research. I would enjoy the type of research you're talking about, historical, but something like science, which requires an extra level of understanding, it wouldn't hurt to have... A teacher who, who breaks it down oh. into into very easy 
bites so that you can use it creatively in a story. No, it's not a teacher. It's not going to teach you but anything. But in a way, in a way. It's just going to present to you what's out there. If you ask, you like, like what, what, could, what would happen if somebody needed to break the dissonance of a blah, blah because of the da, 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 and they would go, okay. It would then put the, the scientific uh, facts into ways which makes it easier for you to turn it into a story. Well, easy facts for, uh, for, yeah, for, for yeah. a story. Right? People not sitting around expounding science for yeah. exposition for like 10 whole pages. Well, yeah. we must move on, but I would say that there are science-type people out there and you could like, you know, send them an email and uh, have a chat yeah, with them. Yeah. <laughs> you have to like wait for people's availability. But I want to say that ChatGPT is great when you're lonely. Then you can have a chat with this machine. Okay, yeah. that that level of sadness we, yeah, that, we will <laughs> we will look at one day. I don't uh, play Vernon. that, yeah. but, but for now we're going to take a short break. When we come back, actually, we're going to probably going to join uh, Vernon with his levels of sadness <laughs> <laughs> here on a bit of culture on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back with myself, uh, Cam Ruslan, and Naa Murad, hello, and Vernon, Adrian, Among, and now um, uh, Vernon. Yes, when, when last we were talking, you were talking about how lonely you are and you <laughs> speak to ChatGPT. But I want you to know that this is a safe psychological space here. Yes. <laughs> and, and you want to talk about safe psychological space. Yep. Okay, so uh, my topic is actually about how psychological safety is a really important thing for the creative collaboration process. So that when you are with a group of people, you feel you can say anything, you can offer anything that comes into your mind, knowing that you won't be made fun of, won't be ridiculed, won't be blah, blah, blah. So, and this this uh, concept of psychological safety is really important in, the, uh, in today's work environment, where people are brought together to work together on projects. And if you don't feel psychological safety, you know, you will maybe hold back on saying things, pointing out, uh, mistakes that you see, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and so it doesn't actually contribute to innovation, to moving um, a creative project forward. And uh, it made me think about everything, everywhere, all at once because I've been listening to a lot of the uh, commentaries and reviews on YouTube. And one of the things about you know everything, everywhere, all at once, the movie, uh, which features our Oscar-winning. Actress Michelle Yeoh, your good friend, my, <laughs> my good friend. So, yeah. your buddy uh, in Ipoh, right? We went to school together. Uh, you know that movie was such a game changer in so many, uh, on so many levels. Like it was, as I mentioned earlier, a mashup of the most amazing kind, um, different genres, different kinds of uh, stories, etc. Um, and uh, the thing about uh, everything everywhere all at once when they were shooting it just before the uh, lockdown was that the two Daniels, the directors, Daniel Chenette and Daniel Kwan, um, in one of the interviews had said that they wanted their shoots to be the complete, to use a word we used earlier, antithesis of the toxic Hollywood scene. So they made sure that everybody, even the most uh, what others would say the most insignificant worker on the set would be seen and would be appreciated and they would have like weekly weekly awards for different people so that and and before each shoot day they would have warm up sessions with everybody involved not just the performers but also the you know the the production crew the support Best staff boy, everybody yeah. yeah and so everybody felt that they were part of a team and they felt psychologically safe and that is why i think you know the movie was of such high quality because everybody 
gave it their best shot, you know. And mm. so that's where I think psychological safety is important in the creative, in the in the uh, creative collaboration process. And I want to link it to psychological safety in Malaysia as Malaysians. If we felt psychologically safe, we would all of us, each and every Malaysian, would bring our best selves to the country. Right. And uh, I say that because I don't think all of us feel psychologically safe. We all, you know, everybody in Malaysia feels kind of like under siege, maybe mistrusting of each other, suspicious of each other, suspicious of different communities, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So what can we do to make all of us here in Malaysia psychologically safe. Do you feel that way, Vernon, because you feel like... I'm sad. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> we have a culture where bosses need to have a certain amount of... Here, here's that word ego. Did we use ego earlier or something like that? Uh, we, there's a lot of ego status. Status and hierarchy is very important in Malaysia, right? Well, yes, so because of the feudal... ego needs to be stoked. It's very difficult for, for, for people on the upper echelons to say, I'm going to be a nice, open, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to let my underling actually, you know, tell me things. Well, there'll be a price. There will be, there will be a churn of, uh, of, of, of employees if you're just kind of like, in effect, exploiting your workers. Whereas if you nurture them and if you give them enough room to make mistakes, if you allow for them to just yeah, bring them their best selves to work, mm-hmm. to feel, you know, the, 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 the benefit out of that would be amazing. I suspect that that would work as many times as it would fail. Because at the end of the day, a product has to be created and it will be tested in the marketplace where nobody knows about how enjoyable the experience was of the creation of that product. Yeah, yeah. The person mm. who's enjoying the product will just enjoy the product. Yeah, I, one but that. if you want to bring it, but, but, but if, you're, if, you're, if, if process is important to you, right? I'm not talking about the product, but I'm talking about if, the process. If, if, we can, if we could be sure that the, 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 the process led to a good final product. But I, I, would, I would be scared that, that, like I say, the final product would fail and succeed just as much as as, as Yeah, r- and as, if, if, as if it fails, and then so we try again and we try harder. Perhaps you have a better chance of having a good product, at least a, a product that, that's, that's been taken to its fullest potential if everybody is working at their full potential. Well, it, yeah. Perhaps. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of went to a film school um, and... The, the, you visited a film school? Or you I, 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 sort of, I attended it without attending it. I wasn't officially a, a, in attendance, but I was. And the guy who ran the thing... You he crashed a film school? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, You're like Steve Jobs. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the guy who, who ran it, he said, if you're, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Which, which I think was absolutely correct. Yep. But, strangely, the guy who said that was really into having favourites. And setting people against each other because he, like you, manipulator, you, manipulator. Because you said earlier that the f- film is a toxic scene, yeah, and it is uh, partly because it's it's really very male. Historically, yep, it's yep, a yep. very male <clears throat> world, and it's hard to make a film. You got to get the no, money. Yeah. You've got to write the script. It's a really difficult thing to do. And so the thinking, I think, inside it is. Um, what if you make people feel fearful and anxious? They'll come up with the best stuff. No, the the thinking is that only the strong will survive. Um, you, in order to become the director, you have to have been through a killer experience and be a proven survivor. 
Uh, okay, that, that that is, I think, the thinking behind it. Right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have not broken down and not been able to to finish a job because you just don't have the fortitude to just be. Okay, so you, what you're on. saying is that is that uh, that kind of like uh, no, I'm not challenge. Right yeah, 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 that's right. That's what it was. That, yeah. that whole idea of resilience and grits, right? Uh, if you keep at it. You know, you make mm. it happen. And for certain people, Being uh, keeping at it is keeping at the top of the uh, of the uh, power structure. And therefore, if anybody else below there defies me, I'm going to just eliminate them because I don't want to spend time, you know, uh, dealing with that kind of like nonsense. Well, However, yeah, it could be that, yeah. if you if, if that leader decided to step back and say, OK, uh, can you maybe tell me a little bit more about what your concerns are? Right, then maybe that leader might suddenly see something he or she never saw. So that whole idea of openness is so important in creativity. And uh, Malaysia as a continuing project of creative people trying to make some sense of this multicultural, multiracial country, I think uh, that, that openness is so important and that trust to say, hey, I think this isn't going the right way. I think it's so it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that the, the the timing is is an issue. That that kind of atmosphere is possibly possible now because um, we're moving in that direction. It was not possible, say, in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, I, I like the way you brought up timing because um, one of the reasons why I feel everything everywhere all at once became such a great movie is because of the two year lockdown. Apparently, the post-production was supposed to be just six months, but it right. ended up being two years. So hence, people stuck at home, just focused on what they had to do, and that's why it came out. That's yeah. my... It could be. That's my I, But, yeah, but get, getting back to what you were saying about the kind of allowing um, people to be comfortable with collaboration, I can only speak from my experience, and I've always tried to... And it's completely... I'm not saying it's exactly what you're saying, but... Um, I've always liked the idea of being able to have people be very unafraid mm-hmm. to be collab- uh, to collaborate with me, yeah. specifically when I'm, I'm directing. Yeah. Because I feel that everybody is um, the head of their departments or their expert. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't mean the, 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 the guy who, who makes the IA or, or mm-hmm. you know, the... the best boy electrician mm-hmm. or whatever you you use the not very nice term insignificant and there's nothing insignificant but also it's something that does not have anything to do with the creative mm-hmm. thing right so I, I wouldn't know how to include them but when I do talk to the heads of the different departments this person's in charge of of yep, what yep. the costumes are supposed yep. to look like yep. and what the art direction is supposed to look yep. like um, what, what the photography is supposed to look like I always have to um I was so impressed that I am the kind of director who likes collaboration. I like uh, your ideas. Yeah. I like people to tell me what they think yep. or what they feel should be done. Yep. The problem I have, though, coming from, from Malaysia, is when, when you do let people do that and they feel, ooh, very comfortable, they start giving their feedback. But the m- moment you say, that's a great idea, but you know, we, I'm actually going for you get people, the word kachati. You, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? People just go like, oh, what you ask? But you, you know, it, it's like then you, you get that different th- different um, reaction. Okay, so they get triggered uh, they by get triggered uh, because how you, you respond. You, yeah, so I have to be very careful. I have yeah. to say, great idea. I like that. Thank you. Please keep giving me ideas. But, you know, there is a specific way I'm going. And if you give me this great idea, it may not fit 
Yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. Yeah, oh, know, I, I, I feel a pain. I yeah. do feel a pain because yeah. I've, I've been a creative director in a, a department with lots of creative people, and the creative ego is. I know you don't want something. people to feel like yeah. you don't want to hear their ideas, yes, but at the same time, right. you can't yeah. take every idea. Yeah. Correct, yeah. correct. But 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 also, I've I've been a, a director on shoots where mm-hmm. you know I've been Mr. Nice Guy, and then the crew starts trying to walk all over me. Um, and I had to be Mr. Not Nice Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And, I mean, yeah, and, but and mm-hmm. then. Then they were really good to me. It's like, it's like really, all I have to do is shout at you, and then you'll be mm-hmm. you'll be great. Mm-hmm. It's like this is weird. No, I, 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 I guess what happened there was not not that they became afraid of you. Maybe it was because they realized how important your stand was, and oh, then they decided, okay, I'll so give sweet. it to that. No, no, no but there, there it, were other issues. There it's, were, it's a very Malaysian thing. There was money, and the authority well. thing. You know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. whole boss. No, we, we, we can't. We can't. We can't. Uh, we can't assume that that's the only way to move forward. No, yeah, absolutely it's not. You're, it, ab- Vernon, you're absolutely right. I mean, I agree entirely with you. People are still stuck in, you know, and and Cam and I are talking about quite a... Nobody can move them slowly along the evolution cycle, you know? No, 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 you're absolutely right. And like I said, the example I gave was... was I'm sad, but I'm optimistic. I'm sad, but I'm optimistic. I am absolutely optimistic as well. But I just want to end with one thing, which is that (laughs) Na'a Murad is wearing a Star Wars T-shirt. May the fourth be with you. Yeah, that's for yesterday. Now, the thing is that George Lucas, when he made that film, he shot it... Na'a Murad? George Lucas. He shot it in England. And the, he had a horrible experience because the crew, the British crew, were really mean to him because they thought that the film was trash. They thought, who is this George Lucas guy? They treated him with utmost disrespect. It was only afterwards when the movie came out, it was an enormous success that subsequent shoots were happy. But he hated the experience yep. of that because, See, because people didn't give him a they didn't trust him they didn't they didn't believe enough in him also like it's, british british crews have a, a thing that they think that american directors are sometimes full of crap yeah. they, they don't, they're not really artists so it happened to michael, michael Crichton, of all people who is a writer but he also directed he's british isn't he? He's American, I think. Is he? um, and and he he was in the same situation. He was doing the greatest train robbery with Donald Sutherland, and yeah, yeah it's a good film. film, right? So he he did that. And it was a big budget thing, and it was being shot in England. And he uh, the, the the crew did not did the same thing as they did with George Lucas. And his British DOP said, "Can we have? Can you ask the studio to send a, a 35 millimeter copy of Coma, the film he did previously?" And that changed. And let's thing. just watch. Let's just one Friday yep. night after our shoot, yep. or just Believe. before after dinner, we watch your film. So say okay. So he did that. Luckily, same studio. So they gave yep. me brought yep. a copy over. Yep. Yep. Next morning, everybody was like, "Good morning, Governor. Good morning, Governor." Well, yeah, that kind of stuff. the trust was was was, was, was this yeah, is a built up. Coma is a very yeah. good film. By yeah. the way. It's a very but good thriller. We we have to wrap up, but yeah. but, the, but you, that's a very it's a very male world. Yeah, uh, mm. and also the British film very male. Mm. Very much so, mm. and it's, we're talking about the seventies, seventies, yes. yeah. Patriarchy. But I think the time, I think the time is coming. The time's absolutely no. Right. It's now. It, it is, is now. It is now. It's Come on, everybody, just be honest with each other, open to ideas, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you know, let's trust each other. Let's let's shove away the suspicion. And if you do have suspicions, just talk it out. Yep. Just talk it's, it out. So all of us can come to a point where we feel psychologically safe uh-huh. with each other for a better Malaysia. It's right. <laughs> it, is, it sounds like a nice ad. Yeah. Yep. Prefer <laughs> Yasmin. It's right much here. Much it's right <laughs> here. <laughs> and it's all at once. So uh, <laughs> we, we wrap up and we, we, we must uh, rattle through the next final part of the show, which is uh, recommendations, where we recommend something that we think might be of interest. My recommendation is, it's a little odd, because... I um, I ordered some books on Amazon. 
Ah, <laughs> you're recommending <laughs> what Amazon? What a thing to do. I kind of am. See, I always get my books from uh, Kino Kunian. I would never say a word against Kino Kunian. Oh, neither would I. It's a yeah. fantastic bookshop. But they didn't have these books, so I had to order it. And it, <clears throat> this book had a, a better holiday than me. It came from <laughs> Turin in Italy. <laughs> then he went to Milan. <laughs> then he went to Leipzig. I've always wanted to go to Leipzig. <clears throat> then he went from Leipzig to, well, Singapore, who cares? And well, Amazon does that for the books, is it? Just for, for the other uh, well-being. <laughs> <laughs> but then it gets you, it's a better book. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just took it on a holiday. <clears throat> you just enjoy watching the journey. And I was pressing track, uh, track package all the time. Vicarious, vicarious. Yeah. So, um, but you the book... tugboat on the Zambezi River or something like that. <laughs> The book took photographs of its trip, <laughs> selfies along the way. So in a way, I'm kind of recommending that. I don't know what it is, I, but I love the book all the more for it. It's uh, it's called A Women's History of the Beatles by Christine Feldman Barrett. Oh, I've received that's interesting. it. And, um, and I'm reading it. I've wanted it for ages. And uh, it's fantastic. It's really good. I thought you were recommending, like, keeping track of, you know, I of, kind of, of where your books travel. I kind that of, sounds more fun. I, I kind of am. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, this book came from Turin. <laughs> so uh, that's my recommendation. It's a really good book, though, because uh, uh, there's a thing called fan studies, which is a growing field um, where you mm-hmm. you, know, you look at fandom and, mm. and study. Them. Oh, fan studies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's my recommendation. Um, uh, no, what's your Yeah, question? connected to, to what I was talking about, like I, I would prefer uh, an AI that helps me with science for, for writing for creativity. I would like to recommend a book, too. Andy Ware's latest film, a book. Uh, Andy Ware, if you are not familiar, is the guy who wrote The Martian, which became that movie with oh, yeah. Matt Damon. Right. Then he wrote another book after that, which is also pretty good, called Artemis. And his stories are about very real-world science. Maybe, maybe there's, there's some future um, theorizing about it, but it's very, very practical real-world science. So it's about survival. It's about very down-to-earth things. There's nothing cosmic. There's nothing Asimov or, or, or very theoretical science about it or, you know, civilization so far flung that, you know, you know, you know people are, are sort of like uh, are half plant, half human, anything weird like that. Very normal, very relatable. But adventures, um, more about survival, discovery. His latest is called Project Hail Mary. And it's a book which really, for his fans, or even if you're not a fan, which takes you to another, it's his most, his most cosmic book, I would say, rather than very down to earth. The second book is more about, about people surviving on the moon, a very realistic depiction of living on the moon, but also it had capers and you know, people trying to break into places. So it's so very down to earth. This one is a bit more cosmic. It's a bit more um, Armageddon-ish. But it, he is very good at making the most um, mind boggling scientific plots, mm-hmm. very relatable. Relatable in the sense that, that um, you almost, um, but, but not like he's talking down to you. It becomes entertaining, the way he describes things, the way he describes the characters, the way the characters go through these things, the way the characters even talk about the science is very entertaining. Mm. And um, I think um, there is no better teacher of, of science while entertaining somebody rather than, you know, somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson and all that, who does it in fiction than Andy Ware. So, so okay. Okay. Andy, Andy what? Where? W-E-I-R? Yeah, like, like, like in Peter Ware. Okay. W-E-I-R. Andy. Andy. E-I-R, I think, yeah. And, and the book is called? The book is called Project Hail Mary, as in Hail Mary. Oh, I can relate to that. Yeah, Hail Mary because it's this project where people of Earth have to create this, 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 this project 
to literally save the earth from this very slow Armageddon that's happening. I won't, I won't spoil okay. it. Okay. I, I, I enjoyed the movie The Martian. It's very good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, all, yeah. It all seems plausible. Yeah. It's very, the character is very relatable. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I enjoyed also about it was that, yes, it, it did lack that um, portentousness of uh, Christopher Nolan, say. Right. And it was, it was just sort of an adventure story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to watch it. I haven't. Have you ever seen it? it? No. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. Um, okay, that's Andy. Andy Weir. Andy Weir's uh, um, The Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. New book, just out. Yeah. Uh, Vernon, what you got? Uh, I just want to plug my good friend again, um, Michelle Yeoh. I'd like for everybody to go and see Everything Everywhere All is at Once. It's playing in KL now. It's playing in one cinema, mm-hmm. which is Mid Valley uh, GSC. All right. Uh, one, one screening, I think two screenings a day. Um, but if you, yeah, the best thing is to see it on the big screen because I've watched it three times on the big screen and many times on the small screen. Um, the big screen sensation is amazing. It's, it's like a very it's like a roller coaster ride. Visually vibrant. Oh yeah, 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 fast yeah, moving yeah. film. Yeah, yeah it's and I, big I, I, I've been arranging small Kolompoks of people to go and see it um, as I go and see it again. And some Kulumpuk, of my friends... Kolompok? Yes, 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 Kolompok. Uh, yeah, sorry? Kolompok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it's been amazing yeah. uh, seeing how some people whom I thought might not get into it actually getting quite emotionally involved. So, yeah, it's a beautiful film. Um, and for those who might have seen it and not understood it, I'd really recommend that you go and see it again. Because there's so much in there that's so gorgeous. I think the magic of that movie is it gets very sentimental. It's very emotional. But it goes there in such a weird way that even the most cynical person will go like, it deserves this sentiment. Exactly. Because, you know, it's coming from this direction which, wow. I had had this 45-year-old hunk of a truck driver of a pub owner whom I brought along to watch it. And he he told me, he said he cried three times. Mm Yeah. And I went like, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, I have a daughter too, you know. And I went like, wow. Mm. But it wow, doesn't wow, go for wow. that for that whole the, the, the usual sentiment, sentimental stuff that makes you go, like, oh, that's so corny. It takes it from this direction where um, you break all your 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 uh, what what you would expect that mm-hmm. a story to 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 manipulate you that way. Just it manipulates in a way you're like, am I being manipulated? What the heck is going on? Yes, yes. It's into rocks. Well, for God's sake. Okay, well, okay. we we are, we are it's becoming a review for this movie. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah. And we have to save that for another day. Uh, and also the story of how uh, Vernon met Michelle Yeoh. We'll have to save that oh. for another day as well. I've met Michelle Yeoh too. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll have a Michelle okay. Yeoh show. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so uh, the, the recommendation is quite simple. It was uh, everything, everywhere. Every other one. All See it once. on the big screen. Yep. Uh, again and again. Mid-Valley, huh? Uh, well, yeah, at the moment, yeah. yeah at, so, but I think somewhere... At the moment of recording. Yeah. So, well, uh, we have to wrap up, uh, but it only remains me now to thank uh, our two guests, uh, Na Amurad. You're welcome. Good to be here. It was fun, as usual. And Absolutely. It's fun. We're in the studio. Yep. And Vernon Adrian Among. Thank you. Wonderful. And also our producer, Hanif Baharudin, who's... Yes, thank you, Hanif. Pushing yeah, the buttons and stuff. Um, and myself, Cam Russland, and please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.